Each season, Guys Telling Stories seeks out fascinating people with a good story to tell. I'm Rich Douglas, and this man beside me is my co-host, Bill Easton. We're a couple of guys who love a good story. And our quest today takes us back to the world of MMA and HGTV. This is Guys Telling Stories. Welcome to the show, everybody. My name is Bill Easton, and I really wanted to jump in in that intro, because we always say the guy sitting next to me, and I want to just go, yo! <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to interrupt, Bill. Right. Uh, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm excited for our guest today, oh. Bristol Marundi. Yes. I have been looking him up recently, and he's been all over my TV because of the new show, Flipper Flop Vegas. Flipper Flop Vegas. Yeah, and uh, this fascinating guy. We'll uh, get into him. Is he in Vegas? Yeah, he's in Vegas, but I think he might actually be up in Washington with his fight promotion because they uh, they have a fight this like the weekend. State, the Northwest. Yeah, yeah. yeah up, so, yeah. So forgive the uh, the cell phone connection if it gets a little patchy. Well, but. that happens out that way in the woods. All right, let's get the try at home. Sure. Let me go first. You go first. You know what's coming. What's coming, Bill? Lyft. Lyft is coming. I can't wait to start using ride sharing here in New York State. We use it everywhere we go. We use it in, in Vegas when we're there. If I was in Washington, I'm sure they have it up in the woods there. And everywhere else you go, there's 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 these ride sharing services. And it's coming here. So what you guys can do to uh, get a little bit of money, uh, $5 off your first rides when you use our promo code GTS. If you are new to Lyft, our listeners get a ride credit. All you have to do is basically request a ride from Lyft in a minute. So you'll be on your way in a safe, comfortable car with normally a very, very happy and cheerful driver. So simply enter the promo code GTS after you download Lyft and you're good to go. $5 off your first rides. Awesome. Can't wait to use Lyft. And you know what else I like using, Bill? Um... Just say, what else do you like? What else do you like, Rich? <laughs> you can keep and, that part in, I hope. And do, you know, <laughs> and do you know what else I like using, Bill? What else do you like using, Rich? Uh, I like using our website provider, Banzoogle. Mm-hmm. Banzoogle helps you easily create a stunning website, and they have everything you need to make it look the way you want. Beautiful templates, designs, it's adaptable, it looks good on desktop, your phone, tablet, you name it. And the best part is whatever you like doing, they can kind of help you format it around your own perfect website. Right now, our listeners get their new websites first 60 days free by going to guystellingstories.com and clicking on Try at Home. That's guystellingstories.com. Click on Try at Home to get your new websites first 60 days for free with Banzoogle. That's pretty cool because building websites is tough. Yep. And Banzoogle makes it easy. Awesome. All right. Let's get to our guest, Bristol Morundi. What kind of name is Bristol? You know, it's a one of a kind name. Yeah. Everyone I'll searches and, you know, you try to pick a name for your kids and you want a unique name. And this guy probably is the only one out there. It's pretty easy to look up on social media. So there's a story online. Did you see the story about him uh, catching a, he's basically a crime fighter. Yeah. This Bristol's Bristol a crime guy. fighter. I, I, I heard the rumor. We got to ask him to tell that story. Well, it may not be real. It's on one of those sites. Well, it's it's something we're going to have to ask him. I think at one point he may have stopped a crime in in process using his fighting skills, and I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, me too. So Bristol came to my attention recently. We were kicking off season three of Guys Telling Stories, and all of a sudden he and his beautiful wife are plastered all over our TV because they are the new stars of the show Flipper Flop Vegas. Flipper Flop. Vegas. I mean, I, I know about Vegas a little bit. You mm-hmm. love Vegas. Yeah, I'm there often. 
But flipping houses is not easy in any neighborhood, in any city in, in America. No, Vegas is uh, tough real estate out there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's so many different areas. There's so many different groups of people and so many different economical... What do they call it? Economical... Echo... Echo... Eco, a lot of different people. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of different people out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he and his wife make it look easy. It's every week for 20 minutes. They buy a house, they flip it, and, you know, they sell it for a profit. But I'm sure there's a lot more behind the scenes. Let's find out. Yeah, I can't wait to call him. I also want to ask him about his, his fighting experience. He's been an MMA fighter for the past 15 years or so, and he is somebody who I think has had a pretty balanced life in terms of fighting construction, flipping houses. Pretty cool guy. Cool. Awesome. Let's give to it. Let's talk to Bristol. Hey, Bristol. Welcome to Guys Telling Stories. What's going on? Hey, guys. What's up? Glad to be here. How you guys doing? Uh, pretty good, man. No one ever asks us that. That's nice of you, <laughs> Bristol. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. I, you never know. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know where you guys are at. Where, where are you guys from? From Buffalo, New York. Yeah, yeah. My uh, funny enough, my brother is actually in Vegas right now. He's lived there for two, three years, and he is moving on June 9th to Boston. So yeah, I've been to Vegas probably three, four times in the past two years. Before that, I've never been to Vegas. I love Vegas. <laughs> oh yeah, he did. I love Vegas too, man. I love living there. You know, it's starting to get hot. It's a little bit, little bit warm right now, but you know what? You get used to it, and uh, there's just so much opportunity there. And, uh, you know, people think it's all about the strip and, uh, you know, the people passed out drunk and prostitutes, but there's more to it than that, you know? Get out of uh, here. It's outside <laughs> of Vegas. Yeah, you know what? Surprise, surprise. Vegas has more than just the strip. Oh. Yeah, my brother was in North Las Vegas. I mean, we hit up the strip that very first time, but then, you know, we were taking hikes and he was showing me all the local spots. And it's like anything, you feel like behind the scenes, you know, where the locals go is definitely where you want to be, as opposed to, like you said, the strip. Yeah, it's, dude, it's expensive on the strip, you know, they, yeah, they gouge you. But, you know, when you're a local, you find all the deals and, and you know people. And, you know, me and my wife, we don't do anything. With, we don't pay for anything now. We, you know, we know people in the shows. We get tickets. So in that aspect of it is pretty cool. Well, uh, let's um, let's get you out there. What uh, you know, give everyone a little shout out to your social media and uh, and where people can find you. Yeah, Bristol Morandi. You know, I'm I'm easy to find. I'm probably one of the only people in the world with that name combination. But, uh, <laughs> um, everything's just you know everything's just at Bristol Morandi. So no no problem. Um, you know what? You know where I'm at. I'm up in out in the country right now, out in Washington, um, okay. outside of Seattle. And it's beautiful here, dude. It's green. It's sunny. Nice. Awesome. There's like deer running around. It's a it's a change from Vegas. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, I wanted to sort of take the listeners on a little journey of your life. Now, I, I was trying to do my research. You you grew up in Washington, but are you originally from Alaska? Yeah, I was born in Alaska. My my family grew up there, and uh, I've gone back quite a bit. Growing up, I used to catch fish in Alaska, and uh, spent spent some time there. Uh, but the majority of my life, I grew up in like the Pacific Northwest in the Seattle area, out, out outside of Seattle in a small town. Okay, so small town living. It's always cool to sort of paint a picture. These people that like to listen to the stories, uh-huh. they're always kind of listening on their commute or something. So let me ask you, what what kind yeah. of what kind of house did you grow up in? You know, what was your neighborhood like? 
Yeah. So I grew up in, um, grew up in a couple different houses, but we moved to, um, my dad was in the air force. And, uh, so we, we moved from, we moved to Las Vegas when I was young. We were in Las Vegas for five years and then we moved up to the Seattle area about seventh grade and we were dead broke. We had everything that we, we packed up everything that we owned and we drove up to, it's called Squim, S-E-Q-U-I-M. It's a small town, two hours northwest of Seattle, out on the peninsula. And um, my grandpa had bought a farm out here. So we moved up here without a job, without anything. As a kid, you know, you don't really know. You're just excited for the adventure. Yeah. We moved out here, and we, we lived in his barn Wow. for uh, the, the first summer that we lived here. So we slept on the floor, and then my parents got a, a tra- like, he had a travel trailer, like basically a little tiny mini RV with uh, one bedroom, and they slept in there, and then we either camped outside or slept in the barn for a whole summer. It was awesome. We loved it. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds awesome, but... <laughs> we, as a kid, it sure does, right? It does, it's course. like an adventure. Mom and Dad, they got the, the, the camper, and you get to kind of sleep out basically under the stars you know yeah you can go inside the barn but yeah oh that sounds so cool and i I love the the contrast because some of the listeners might be seeing you on the hd tv show which we'll get to later but they're seeing these luxurious homes that you're you know used to building (laughs) and where you're coming from you know you're sleeping in the barn so um i heard you say we did you have a couple brothers and sisters or who was in your family yeah i had right i had two two brothers an older and a younger and uh, uh, we loved it, man. We loved the country. There was there's rivers, there's lakes, and we just all summer long just played outside. We you know built tree forts, went fishing, and um, we it was a dream come true for us coming moving from the city to you know, Squim, Washington. We loved it. We were we were so happy. Is uh, you know paradise for kids. I mean, who doesn't love to play in the country as a kid? You know. Um, yeah, times were tough for the family and, but kids are resilient and they make do and they'd have fun. So really all, all kids need is freedom just to have fun. And, uh, you know, my, eventually my, you know, my dad, he, uh, built a law practice and then we did good, you know, he did well. And then we moved into a house and went to high school and played sports. Me and my brother, that's when he really got into sports. Um, he, we football wrestling, and that's we all excelled at that. So we, we all did really good in the small town. And <clears throat> we all, uh, my older brother got a you know football scholarship, and I wrestled, and and that's kind of what propelled us into being competitive. You know, we're we're just competitors. We love to love to fight, and that's kind of where that was my foundation for my MMA career. Now I'm a professional fighter. But it all started in that small town with wrestling and you know high school sports. Yeah, I know that once you kind of love small town living, it can be real tough to to ever leave it. You know, Bill, he uh, he went to West Virginia, and for as big of a university uh-huh. as it is, there's some small town, oh yeah, small town living there, and some people stay forever. Uh-huh. But it sounds like sports sort yeah, of they they sort of broaden your horizons. Did was sports what brought you you know outside of Washington? Maybe say after high school or during uh-huh. those college years. Yeah, so that, that's why you know I wanted to play sports in college. I, I moved across the state to wrestle, 
And then, um, then I went to play football with my brother. He, you know, he had a full scholarship. So I, I went and walked on a football team and did pretty good. And what school, you know, and then, and then, uh, he, he, we went to Montana state university. Okay. Bozeman. And then, uh, and then I, I finished up school at Washington state university. Um, uh, and that's where I, you know, I, I wasn't playing sports in, in the college, in the collegiate level, but I, I still wanted to compete. So I, I knew I had a lot of, uh, you know, competitive drive. And that's when I started training jujitsu and started getting into, uh, MMA and, um, it was in school that I wanted to fight. My older brother said, uh, he, he was a very competitive strong man. Um, and he's like, man, you should fight. You know, you should get into this MMA thing. It's I've watched it. It's crazy. You know, and that's, that's back when the UFC was still really young. Yeah. In 2004, it was still in the, you know, UFC, like 30, I think, or 25. And right. but I, I wanted to try it. I was like, yeah, I gotta try it. I gotta challenge myself. So I signed up for a fight across the state and started training, found, just found people to train with, did pretty much did it myself, traveled across the state, watched, I, I was second up on the lineup and, uh, I, and I'd never been to a fight before live. So I watched the first fight and was like, wow, this is the real deal. The guy came back all bloody, <laughs> a black guy. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> so I'm going to show up. You know, I'm pretty calm. Right. But what am I doing here? This is like savage. And then uh, my trainer at the time, he had some experience uh, in California. And and so he looked me in the eyes and he said, all right, right before we're walking out, I'll never forget it. Very first fight ever. He said, um, I have my hands wrapped, my gloves on, my mouthpiece in, I'm ready. Let's go. He looks me in the eye. We're walking out. And he goes, all right, Bristol, this is a real fight. I want you to knock his effing teeth out. <laughs> And I, and I, my eyes got big and I looked around and I was like, yes, sir. So I went out there and I just knocked his teeth out. I was mean, you know, young and mean. I just went out and started swinging. Bang, 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 landed three, three mean headshots and dropped. Boom, fell down. I landed two more shots. And the ref pulled me off. And I, and I looked over and there was my brother going, yeah, <laughs> proud. And I knew it. I was like, I'm hooked. I need more. <laughs> well, you were saying like that was, the infancy of uh, UFC. I remember those early guys like yeah. watching Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz, and uh-huh. it just seemed like a brawl. Like there were rules, but I didn't understand uh-huh. them. It wasn't legal. It was in, like rugby. Yeah. It wasn't legal in uh, our state, I don't think. And and then it started. You know, maybe the next ten years started to become more mainstream and more popular. I mean, now they have yeah. more than one gym that you could be at. You know, right around here. <laughs> But, yeah, yeah. Right. but you know what I'm saying? But for, for you, you're, you're, you're kind of like trailblazing back then for those 10 years. So yeah. what happened after that first fight for you? Did you make a living fighting or did you kind of get into that construction side of things that uh-huh. people know about? Like what kind of, what were those years like? After that, I, I finished up school and I just kept fighting more and more. And then right after I graduated from WSU, I got my degree and then I, and I turned pro. And I flew across the country in my first pro fight was in Atlantic City uh, against a uh, a Russian uh, from Russia. He had like uh, he was twelve and four was his record. I'm looking back, I'm like, well, that doesn't seem smart on paper. But I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't know better. There was you know what I mean. There's no back then. It was like it's like you just showed up and fought. Yeah. There wasn't really uh, it wasn't like boxing. It wasn't you didn't plan out your career. You just 
he just went and fought. So I went and fought this guy, this Russian guy. I went out and <clears throat> smashed on him, finished him in the second round, put him in an arm lock. And I was on a, definitely on my way, you know, for doing big things. And then, and then I fought two weeks later. Wow. Just, uh, just not smart, you know. I mean, you just, you just did. I don't. I had no clue. Like, you want to fight again? Okay, yeah, no problem. So I showed up, smashed on the guy, and then he ended up kneeing me in the face. I bit through my lip. My lip was hanging off, bleeding everywhere. Um, and then we ended up fighting for three rounds. And <laughs> I got him on all these positions that he got me in bad positions, and I'm swollen, and I'm losing the decision. And I was like, wow. Okay, maybe I shouldn't take sh- fights off two weeks' notice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, so. So my career was, I did everything wrong, and now I look back and I've just, I just fought. You know, I did. You know, I didn't really manage a career. I just fought. It's pretty awesome because I, I still always just somebody offered me a fight, I would take it, and uh, all all the way up until recently, you know, I would, um, and I've done good. I've I've had a lot of big fights. I fought in the UFC. I was on, and then it led me into. I just kept fighting and training, and then I was on the Ultimate Fighter. For the UFC, I lived in the house with uh, 14 other guys, or 15 other guys, and we fought, I did good, and uh, then I got UFC fights and took a couple of short news fights, it was great, man, I just had a great career, and, but I've always, always worked, so I've never fought full-time. Money in MMA, it's not, you have to be a champion in order to make millions, mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I just, I just knew, I'm like, you know what? I, I've seen guys that were, that had a great career, um, but they just you know, had no backup plan. So for me, I was like, I'm just going to work and fight. I'm going to do both. Um, so I, I've always had jobs. Um, and then that's what led me to Las Vegas from Seattle. So I'm going to, I want to go to Vegas. I'm going to train, but I had a, I had a job at the time. So I, I had both. So, you know, I would work all day. Then I would go train. It's a lot a lot to fit in your day. Um, but at the end, I've gotten a lot further in my life and in my career that, than most fighters have because I did both. You know, I, I fit both in and it was difficult and it's trying. And I would, I would like to sit and play video games all day. Like a lot of guys do. And then go train, right. but they're poor and, and they have, they don't have anything, you know, but I, I built a career and that's when I met my wife in Las Vegas we met and we flipped our first house together in 2009. And, um, that, that's just, that's how that, uh, that whole career started was, um, we, she was, she did real estate. I was buying a house because I had a job and I trained. So I was able to buy a house. Um, and then we flipped that house, that very first house that I was going to live in. We flipped it together and made a good profit. We made 70,000 on the first house that we flipped and we said, wow, let's, let's roll that money into the next one. That's great. And that's when the economy, that's when the economy was really in the, in the crapper. Oh yeah. And so we bought houses as much as we could, 2010, 11, 12. It was like a clearance sale in Las Vegas. You could buy houses for, you know, 80,000, 90,000. You could buy a nice house. Yeah. And those houses, when they were going up, I mean, your brother went out there to teach, but, when I graduated from West Virginia with a teaching degree, there were people literally at your graduation handing out flyers, begging you to come to Charlotte, Vegas, uh, to come teach because they, yeah. they were growing so quick. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, right. that one at all. And then when it crashed. crashes, 
all of a sudden you got you guys are there ready ready to uh, I guess take on the world. But you know, it's it's interesting to go from a place where you start this business, a family business, and then a few short yep. years later, your face is in front of millions of people. I mean, these past couple yeah. of months, you've you've had this TV show launch. Right. starring you and your wife. So how'd that happen? Um, so they, uh, they, they contact me, um, the, the production company off. They saw, they saw what I was doing on my Instagram actually. And they said, well, uh, man, I see these projects you're doing. I think I, I may have tagged them in it and, or, you know, HGTV or DIY or something, uh, hashtagged it. And they saw it somehow. I don't know. And um, they they messaged me and said, "Hey, where this?" Put-? And I, my first thought was, "Yeah, right. I'm good. Uh, thanks." I said, "No way. I've already done the Ultimate Fighter. I've got enough uh, reality TV in in me to last a lifetime." And and she said, "No, no, that's not like that. You're the talent. Um, you get treated really well." And so I was like, "Ah, uh, I didn't even tell my I didn't even tell my wife about it until um, a while later." So we interviewed with him. They flew us out to Colorado, the headquarters. We treated us really good. And that was like two and a half years ago. And uh, it takes a long time to get a TV show up up and going. Um, and so then they, you know, then they did a sizzle. They pitched it to the network. We passed that. And then they did a, um, then they wanted to do a pilot. Um, you know, the network watched like, uh, they had like 40 or 50 sizzles, little like seven minute clips. They watched like 50 of them in a row and wow. then they picked ours and then they watched like another 50 or 70, um, pilots. And then they, they, um, what somebody told me, then they get, everybody applauded. They loved it. That's and great. They're like, that does, that's very rare. And yeah. That never happened. So then they're like, okay, now you're going to series. We don't know how many episodes it could, you know, this is pretty rare. They might give you six or eight, maybe. Then they're like, we want 13 episodes, a full season. Hmm. Like, okay, cool. let's go. You know, and then we're like, oh, wow. We, and, and then since September, we had to do flip 13 houses. So like, wow, okay. <laughs> you, you forget about that that's, part. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like two or three months. We're like, okay. How, you know, and we, we self-fund everything. So we're like, okay, we're, you know, we're not going to go out and get a, uh, like all these other shows, they go out and get hard money or they have investors. Like, no, we're going to do it all ourselves. We're like, yeah, we're you the should. epitome of like capitalist Americans. We're like, no, we're going to figure it out. And Aubrey's the same way. She's aggressive, like totally aggressive. And she's smoking hot, but you don't, don't let that <laughs> fool you. Don't let it fool you. She, she's aggressive and, and she's like business savvy. She's all, I don't want to use the word cutthroat, but that's kind of, kind of what it is. Well, you know what? We we always like to talk about the successes and some of those no turning back huh. moments. But have you and your wife or you personally had to experience any uh, struggles that you had to overcome on this on this awesome kind of path to success you've had? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's there's been huge um obstacles and and big struggles. There's um when we first started this season we had no idea what was going into this. So we, we came into it and we, we agreed to 13 episodes, which is 13 remodels and flips of houses. And we had uh, from September to um, May to get them all done. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's, it's just so we have to move so fast and we're not used to doing that because it doesn't make sense financially, you know, to move that fast and, uh, 
you know, real world. But what we've had, what we had a problem with, we got behind. So one of a couple of the houses didn't sell right away over Christmas. One of our big houses, it was a five hundred thousand dollar house, and it, you know, we we knew it. It's Christmas is a slow time in real estate, so there was a time where we were running out of money, and it was getting late. And we were, we were uh, at one time we were five houses behind. Um, we were five houses behind in the season, and they, the network was all over it. They're saying, "Oh, you know, we already have an air date. We've already sold advertising. You have to finish." And we were like, "We were talking to them. We want we want to finish. Like, believe us. Like, we're working seven days a week. You know, fifteen hours a day. I'm, I'm working so hard, but we can't force the house to sell. We need buyers. You know." And, um, so we, Aubrey and I, there was a time where we we're up, it's like one o'clock in the morning and we're looking at each other. Like, what are we going to do? Like there's, there's millions of dollars invested in us in this show. And we have a million dollars invested in houses right now. And we're sitting here and we, we don't know what to do. We're like, we're stuck. And, um, she told me, she's like, I, I don't know. Is this, is this all going to just tank? Like, are we going to just lose it? And like, we can't, we, we were like, we can't let that happen. We have to do something. And, it, and we're, we're low. We're like out of money for, and we have to continue construction and, and the networks all over need five houses. And we're like, we don't have any money to buy five houses. Um, so the whole season hinged on the selling of one house and, and so there was a time where it was like the risk was just so big. We were looking at each other like, I can't sleep. We're literally up night. And said, well, did you pray about it? And I said, well, no, I didn't because this is about house stuff. You know, like when your uncle or your, your mom gets cancer, you, that's when you pray. She said, just pray about it. So I prayed about it. And then literally two, two days later, we got a full price offer on the big house that we needed to sell, it closed everything, you know, just fell into place. We looked at each other and we just shook our heads and just went, nobody really, nobody's ever going to know about this moment. When they watch the TV show, it's all happy. It's 20 minutes. Everything gets done. Everybody's happy. But in real life, there was a lot of stress and it was like so close to not happening. That's amazing. Yeah, I so appreciate hearing the behind-the-scenes story because I was telling you off mic that our season started airing for this podcast right around the same time I started Uh seeing the commercials. And nobody knows any of the stuff that happens behind the scene with the guests, with promoting some of the episodes, with technical difficulties, Uh and and just regular life. Sometimes that would make for a more interesting story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Seeing us up late at night like shaking our heads, scratching, like going, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's go to work tomorrow and hope for the best. And you know what? It just, it just worked out. So I don't know. So that's just life and business. Sometimes if you just keep moving forward, things just, things just happen. And it's, it's meant to be. Is there anything that you would do differently to kind of ease that stress? If you guys end up filming season two, season three, season four, I mean, however long this thing Uh, goes for. Yeah, there is, you know, um, season two is already in the works. They've already, they've, um, I think they released it. I don't, you know, we're still working through the contracts, but they want to start right away. So we'd really only have like a month off and they want to start filming again. So you're going to do this to yourself again, but (laughs) so we're going to do it. So we're going back for more, you know, but, uh, you know, for season two, we're going to get more sponsors. There's more money. 
And um, I think it's going to be, and we know what to expect now. Yeah. You know, we know the workload and we know that you have to build in film time. You have to build in, you know, just to move faster, twice as fast as you would normally. So you need more, um, you need more help, you need more skilled, more labor, just the logistics. Um, so I think season two will run a lot more smooth. And, you know, we need uh, three houses. You have to be doing construction on three to four houses at one time. So you really have to ramp up and get the labor force there. Otherwise, like the first season, I did so much of the work. And I was up till, you know, sometimes 12 to 2 in the morning working um, just to get them done. So it was Aubrey. Which it, on the very last house, number 13, that we finished, she was there till 5 a.m. the night before the reveal. And I left at 2 in the morning with the, with the kids. Wow. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, um, it, it was a lot of work. People will never really know that, but um, we really kicked some butt on that. Well, good. Hey, um, I want to go back to this story that I saw about you and your father uh, at one point capturing huh? uh, a criminal. Can you... Yeah. One, is that true? Because uh, we saw it on, a, on, yeah, yeah. on one of those websites that you can't always trust. Yeah. And uh, two, if sure. it is, how uh, can you give us a brief rundown of how you did that and, and what happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's 100% true. <clears throat> I was in... I was home for the summer. I was going to college, and I was in an apartment complex in Bellevue, Washington, and it was 11 at night. And I was getting ready for bed and I just, I heard screams for help and they were right next door. It was loud. Um, that kind of scream that I, I thought somebody, I thought somebody was getting murdered. It was just like panic scream. You know, I got the chills. It, I froze. I couldn't believe it. Um, I, w I opened the front door and the doors were right next to each other to the neighbors. And this big guy came running right past me. Um, outside and I looked inside and, and there was the neighbor. She was laying on the floor in her kitchen and she was looking at me and she, you could tell she was just in sheer panic. Her eyes were big and she was white. Her face, she was laying there on the floor and I looked back and I, I just kind of, it took me a second to figure out there was a guy in her house. And, and so I, for some reason took off after him outside of the complex and down the street about a half a mile. I chased him. I could see him running there was street lights. I could see him running down the street. And so I took up after him and finally caught up to him and right at the corner of a busy street, there was cars zooming by and it was a gas station. And I, I pushed him in the back. Boom. He tumbled and did a somersault. He stood up and faced me and, and keep in mind, I was getting ready for bed. I'm, I'm barefoot. I don't even have a shirt on. And so, uh, this, this must've been a scene, you know, people are, uh, suddenly the whole parking lot's filled with people calling cops, filming. Um, so I, I tell him, I'm like, Hey, look, you're not going anywhere, buddy. And he kind of put his hands up like he was going to fight. And he said, I didn't do anything. Stay away from me. And my dad came running up to me and I pushed him back, back up dad, backed him up. And then I just launched the biggest head kick I've ever, I've ever landed even in my whole fight career, head kick, just a roundhouse right to the face. <laughs> pow! Knocked him back. He fell off his feet. And then he stood up again. And this time I grabbed him around the collar. I swept his feet and slammed him right on his back on the concrete. Knocked the wind out of him. And then I cocked my right hand. 
I had my one hand, my left hand right around his throat, squeezing it. And I cocked my right hand and said, if you move, I'm going to kill you. And he just froze. He didn't say a word. And literally 30 seconds, I could hear sirens from the police. And you know what, dude? It's just still to this day, I'll never forget. They literally, there's three cars. They literally raced in the parking lot, four wheel slides. It was like a movie scene. They were just screeching around the corner. Like great driving. I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. Uh, they all slid into the parking lot, all like in unison, raced in there. I let go of the guy. He stood up and he said, ah, oh, finally, the police are here. Everybody's picking on the. And then they said, freeze on the ground. He had like six or seven laser sights right on his chest. Boom, they tackled him, handcuffed him, and, and then they started taking and everything. But I. I was like, wow, this, it just blew my mind. It was crazy how, how the cops reacted so fast. Wow. And uh, obviously you, you knew the lady or, or uh, talked to her after and, and she yeah. was okay? Yeah. I talked to her after and uh, she left for a couple of days. She was just panicked, but she came back and she thanked me and thanked my dad. And, and she just felt a lot safer with us there and, she, uh, and so the story was that she came home and he was inside her house and he grabbed her and he threw her down grabbed her by her throat, pinned her down on in her kitchen. And then, uh, and, uh, and she started screaming and it scared him off. But you know what? He was wanted for rape and burglary in other States. So that guy, he went to prison. He's, he's probably still in prison today. I think it was like 20 or 30 years. Wow. That's that's one heck of a story there. Uh, we got we got a modern day cr- yeah. crime fighter right here. Oh, and uh, and I'm glad the cops came too. You know, just in the sense that they they actually it's it's good to hear they they showed up. You know, they didn't take a half hour yeah. or an hour or anything yeah. like that, and they put not the, at all, dude. You know, and they put the guy away. So, oh, that's incredible. They did, they sure did. So we got a I got a citizen like a citizen award from the mayor and the chief of police and. They recognized us as, you know, uh, citizens. And then when it's over, they say, don't do that again, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, they were like, they were saying, I was like, he hit me, he hit me. And I I was like, hey, I I didn't lay one one hand on him. uh, (laughs) No problem. Just a a couple feet. (laughs) I didn't lay a finger on him, yeah. He had a big footprint on the side of his face. Oh, that's great. Oh, well, Bristol, yeah. I'm loving this talk, and you know we always like to look ahead a little bit. You previewed that you got season two in the works, but I know you also do some promotion yep. for MMA still. And I'm just curious, yep. in general, for you, you know, w- what vision do you have for yourself in the near future? Yeah, exactly. So this Saturday, I have my fight promotion. Um, it's at a casino here in Washington. That's why I'm up here in the Northwest. Um, it's at the Clearwater Casino. And uh, my fight company, Rain FC, is here promoting a fight. I do um, I've been doing this fight for uh, seven years now, and it's great. Built the fighters up. It's kind of my chance to give back as a fighter. I'm, I love to guide the the young uh, young amateur into professionals. Guide them. I like to match make them fairly so they come and experience. Um, they know they're going to come get taken care of when they come to. Me. Um, I like to spoil them, uh, take care of them, and. Uh, I want to build that company and continue to produce big, big fighters, you know, guys to come and get some experience. Um, still training myself. I got, I got a couple fights left. I want to get two to three, three more fights and then call it good. 
I got I got some fight left, dude. There's more in the tank, so I still have that urge to compete. And on top of that, season two for Flipper Flop Vegas, we're gonna start filming next month, and and still slamming out houses and doing construction. So, dude, I'm busy, um, but I love it because I'm gonna give it my uh, and and I want the most out of life, and I think that's how I can do it: is just get my hands in everything. That's great. That's good to hear. That is, and I got a I got a wild suggestion for you. Season two, we did an yeah. interview with a young up and comer, uh, Mickey Gall, who uh, ended up fighting uh-huh. uh, CM Punk, and I think he's weighing awesome. in right around one seventy. So Uh-oh. I don't know if they want to do you know HGTV versus <laughs> you know whatever. I think he was on looking for a fight. Let's with, do it. Yeah, I will beat his ass down. He, he will not know what's coming. I have too much, I have too much experience for that kid. Uh, that is great. Uh, awesome. Awesome to hear. So, you know, um, before we go, we do ask for advice. And you're such a well-rounded guy. You know, you, you, you're you educated. Uh-huh. You, you know, worked yeah. while you were fighting. So what advice would you give to somebody just starting out to be... Crime stopper. Yeah, kind of <laughs> kind, kind of well-rounded. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like kind of balanced. Uh, yeah, that's that's a good question because I have a lot of fighters come to me and ask for advice. What should I do? I want to be a fighter. What do I do? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to see life as a whole. You need to take care of your career and your life first. So if you want to be a fighter, yes, you can train. You can train. You have so many hours to train, but you need to get a career and a life because you don't want to be that guy that has a fight career and nothing else. You have You need something to fall back on. So do both. Get in a career. Do something that you love. Do construction. It doesn't matter. Just get a career in in place and then train your butt off. And you'll know when you become a fighter and you start making, you can't be a full-time fighter. Guys want, oh, they think being a full-time fighter is the key to success. And that's not necessarily true. Um, To be a full-time fighter, you really need to be making... 50, at least 50 to a hundred grand to fight. So that'll give you a milestone. So until then you need to be working and having income and insurance on the side. So, um, so, so take care of your life, you know, get, get a career, earn income and, and then fight. And you know what? You're going to have to sacrifice a lot of the weekends. You can't go out partying and drinking like other people do. You're going to be training. Bristol. Thank you very much for sharing uh, your stories and coming on with us today. Uh, one more time, I want to let our listeners know where they can find you when your show's coming out again, season two, and uh, sure. any other social media that you have. Yeah, you know, tune into my uh, house flipping show. It's on Thursday night at 9 p.m. Pacific time. Um, so you'll see a lot of renovations, and, and, you know, I finally convinced them in the later episodes to fit more training and fighting stuff in it, which is great. Uh, for my last episode, I finally got the gym speed that I was asking for. Um, that's the very last episode. So that's episode number 13, which I'm excited for. Um, and you can just find me on social media. It's, it's just search Bristol Morendi. It'll all come up. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, this was great. And I think a lot of people are going to love hearing some of those behind-the-scenes stories. I know I did. I did, too. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks so much, Bristol. Bristol Morandi, Bill. That was pretty cool. Yeah, what an awesome guy. So down to earth. 
and telling some great stories. Mm-hmm. What was well, your favorite? Oh, well, obviously, come on. <laughs> He's barefoot running half a mile down the street, and I, I, I've never had to... I've never been chased by somebody in that type of situation, but you got to figure the other guy has shoes on. He's probably running for his life at some point. He knows someone's chasing him. You have to outrun someone that's barefoot. I don't know this guy. <laughs> he's a criminal. He wasn't. He's, his head. Th- he thinks differently. I uh, guess so. Uh, well, and you know what was cool for me? Just hearing some of the behind the scenes stuff with with season one. I mean, they basically mm-hmm. had less than the amount of time that a kid goes to school every year. You know, nine, ten months to flip. Something like thirteen houses, he said. Yeah, you know, and put their whole crazy. life on the line, and everything came down to that one house right around the holidays. And then, it, you know, thank goodness it actually uh, worked out in their favor, and it seems like they're moving on for uh, for season two. And who knows? Uh, yeah. And the relationship they have to do that too is is amazing because you, Liam, me, and you have both done uh, stuff with our houses, and and our wives are obviously uh, involved. And there's always stress mm-hmm. and not that they don't have stress but they have found a way to do this week after week after week after week and not just get along but make a make a living yeah yeah i'm excited to see season two i can't wait for it so um i want to thank lyft if you want to get a discount if you want to get a discount on your first rides download the lyft app use promo code gts for ride credit towards your first ride promo code gts You'll get ride credits from guys telling stories. And thanks again to our website provider, Banzoogle. We use them to host guys telling stories, and that's because they have everything we need to build a stunning website, and they can help you out as well. Remember to go to guystellingstories.com and click on Try at Home to get your new website's first 60 days free with Banzoogle. That's guystellingstories.com. Click on Try at Home to get your new website's first 60 days for free. Well, I hope he sounds good because he was in a field. I I had a feeling he was going to be in the wilderness. Yeah, you know, I think he sounded great, and the stories were awesome, and uh, he's, I'd love to talk to him again, you know, check in with him, see about some new projects, and if that Mickey Gall fight ever happens, we're going to Vegas. Mickey Gall. <laughs> Why don't we just go to Vegas anyway? All right, we're going to Vegas. Guys, uh, we got to get out of here. We're going to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we hope you're enjoying this season. As things wind down, we've got only a few episodes left, so please share our episodes, subscribe online. And as always, I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. Okay, till next time.